This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbours are probably already doing it. But who... They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like X has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Good evening and welcome to the West Amway Podcast with myself Dave Walker and serial YTK blogger XWHU employee. Our Premier League campaign got off to a disappointing start against Newcastle and with a tough following six fixtures to come, could we be facing one of the worst starts to a season in the club's history? The blow was softened somewhat with an impressive win against Charlton last night to see us through to the third round of the Carabao Cup and considering 10 changes were made from Saturday, how many of those players, if any, should be starting against Arsenal this weekend? Trevor Sinclair is an ex-pro who has been very opinionated about the owners of modern-day West Ham. He joins us on the phone to tell us more about his thoughts on the subject. And X will be giving us exclusive news and views before ending the show with questions from our collective followers on social media. That's all coming up on tonight's show. X a good win last night, and we'll come to that in a minute, but we have to start with the shower of shit that we saw on Saturday night. When you look at our opening fixtures, I think it was so important to get a win, and we didn't. What did you make of the performance, and how detrimental could that opening day defeat be for us? Yeah, it was a really poor performance, really disappointing. You know, whilst we said last week we weren't particularly looking forward to the start of the season when it comes around and they're actually playing you want to get off to a good start and you want mm. to win that first game and we just 
didn't look at the races at all, really. I mean, just didn't really create any good chances at all. Defence was poor. Uh, looked very exposed. I think Fabianski, unfortunately, hasn't been the same person since injured. No. Uh, since he got injured. I agree with that. Um, and it just was really, really, really disappointing. And as you say, looking at the fixtures, we needed to get off to a good start to, with them in mind. And, and also, we needed to get a good start because of the negativity around the club anyway. So the loss has just emphasised that negativity even more. So now the pressure going into the, the next league games is immense, really, already after one game. Yeah, and I think it also emphasises just how desperate we are for fullbacks. I mean, defensively, we were all over the place. Mm-hmm. Ryan Fredericks, I don't know how much longer he can keep getting away with it now. I think he's mm-hmm. had long enough to prove himself. Like I say, going forward, speed-wise, decent. Defensively, non-existent, in my opinion. Creswell, fuck me. I mean, he's about as handy as a pair of sunglasses to a bloke with one ear, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> so straight away, that's half of your defence. Diop's not been in great form. Right. So you could argue three of the four are underperforming. Yeah. So of course you're going to ship goals. But mm. just as usual, you just no heart, no desire, no intensity, no creativity. And I just thought we were painfully boring to watch as well. And we're at home. And this is the first game out of the next seven that you really think that we could win and should win. But we just turn that out. It's just it's just so depressing, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think you're right. The defence is just so exposed. I mean, let's be honest, we've had Cresswell at left back and you know, once upon a time he was a good player. When we were in the when we were at um Upton Park, which seems so long ago, but he was one of our best players. But since he got an injury, he's not been the same. But we've never replaced him. And Fredericks I thought had one of his better games, which isn't saying much, but Mm. that's because he created chances. But you're right, defensively, Mm. wasn't great. Diop seems to have gone massively off the boil. Um, The midfield, I don't think Fernals is a winger. There was one point when Andy Carroll caught him up. I don't know if you remember, he was breaking (laughs) on the left wing and Andy Carroll ran back and he caught him up and tackled him. And I'm like... My gosh, if this is a winger being caught up, caught up by Andy Carroll, you are in trouble. Um, and then, you know, Antonio had nothing to work with. No. Um, the midfield just didn't create anything. It, it was just such a poor performance. And, you know, Newcastle, it's funny. Like, I saw an interview with um, Andy Carroll, funnily, and he said the new signings. So what, have they got Wilson, Hendricks, Fraser... The new signings rejuvenated the squad and gave them that boost. Hendricks scored the goal. He was linked with West Ham. West Ham fans said he wasn't good enough for us, which they often do for players we're linked with. But scored a very good goal. Yes, given too much space. And um, and Wilson scored the other one, like he always does against us. But it shows what having a couple of new players in the squad can, can do. You know, they had Lewis as well from Norwich. And, and they came and deserved the win. And, mm. and and the fact is, Newcastle, really, if we're going to be doing anything this season, they're the sort of team that we have to beat and the sort of team that are probably going to be there or thereabouts in our league position. So technically, we're already six points effectively behind a team that we should be challenging for in the league. It, it just was really, really, really poor. 
Mm, I agree about Full Nails. I mean, I've got some real concerns about him, if I'm honest. I think he's been played out of position. He is played out of position Mm. because he's not a winger. And one of the key attributes you have to have on a wing, in my opinion, is pace. And he doesn't seem to have any. Doesn't mean to say he can't do a job in a number 10 role, but we just don't give him the opportunity to show us. Now, obviously, he needs to have those opportunities to make a proper judgment. But in my opinion, he's probably, with those opportunities, got this season. Yeah. To prove himself at West Ham. Now, again, he's one of these players that seem to be quite popular with the fans yeah. without really giving too much in return. Yeah. So all eyes are on him, I think, for this season without a shadow of a doubt. But you're right, he is being played out of position. Someone else you could argue is being played out of position as well, to a degree, is Mark Noble. Because he's mm. gone with a central three again. You've got yeah. Suchek and Declan Rice. And it almost seems to me like Nobles is playing a bit of a deep lying number 10 role. Yeah, and is, there yeah. might be some sort of expectancy for him to create chances in that position and again he's not that sort of player so that's wrong Yeah. so you, you can pick holes out of this starting 11 that David yeah. Moyes is putting forward yeah. and it just seems so frustrating at the moment because it, I don't know in pre-season you just think that you'd like to tinker with a few new ideas see what players can come to the forefront and make a difference and I don't know, maybe even a, a bit of a fresher approach going into a new season, but it just seems to me like he's picked the same team with the same players out of position that finished the season well and just expected them to do exactly the same going into the new season. Mm. Granted, he hasn't had the money to make changes, but I could sit here now, I'm not a football manager, and tell you glaringly obvious things that he should be doing differently with the players that he's got. And he just don't seem to be doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, last week we discussed whether team morale was low and whether that would affect our performance against Newcastle. Do you think that had a part to play in it? I mean, did they lost their heads? Um, I don't know. I think you, I think Declan Rice had his worst game in, he did. in a West Ham shirt did. for us. Um, I think Suchek was better, but... Not hugely better. I don't think Declan Rice should have played. Declan Rice hadn't trained all pre-season. Yep. He then went and played two games in quick succession for England. Flew back. Was expected to play for us. I, I think that shows a desperation and over-reliance on one player. Because I don't think he should have started. I'm not sure whether Suchek, who had been isolating uh, because of being around someone with COVID symptoms, should have played either but that shows the lack of squad depth that that we have now i um i do worry about that you know and if you do look at that central midfield three of rice suchek and noble that is not a creative central three there's no person there that's going to pick a through ball through to someone to run on to, to score. You know, I think Declan Rice is a good passer of the ball, but he's doing that from deep. Suchek isn't a passer of the ball. He's your kind of, you know, box to box, get on the end of things, break things up. And no ball, you know, he isn't a creative midfielder either. And that's your three central midfielders, you know. And then you've got someone like Fornells, arguably could be creative, playing out on the wing. Uh, you've got Lanzini, who, yes, hasn't performed for ages, but surely is more creative than... Than, than them you could play Anderson at number 10 maybe um, I just I just really think it it was just a very poor performance and I, and I just hope that it was a one-off but I don't know 
don't know if it is, to be fair. I mean, I can't believe how worried I am about relegation with 37 games to play. Yeah. Um, I've often said that on paper we're a top seven, top eight side. And I've noticed that Graham Souness says that all the time as well. I don't know if you've noticed. So he can obviously see what I can see. But when you look at the side we had in 2002, 2003, I think that was a better side than we have now. Yeah. And that side got relegated. So there's no such thing as being too good to go down. And I think this could be a really, really, really long season for us. I mean, we go to Arsenal on Saturday. Uh, it looks like they're turning a bit of a corner now. They're hitting a bit of momentum, maybe. There seems to be a bit of a, a feel-good factor with that club, mm. uh, which is largely down to Arteta. Yeah, no, boy, Miang's just signed a new deal this week. Which yeah, won't help yeah. Us. exactly. I mean, how do you feel about that game? That's a tough game. I think we'll lose. Um, I'm not going to lie, but... We were probably talking about it in a minute, but I think there was positives from the Charlton game. Um, and I would make sure, actually, that a, a, a large bulk of those players that played against Charlton play against Arsenal. Because I would play them into the team now. Because I think, all right, we won, it was against Charlton. Yes, you could argue it's not the same quality, obviously, as Arsenal, which is a very obvious statement to make. But West Ham traditionally lose these games it's a London derby which adds a little bit to it but we played well we did play well Mm. and I think certain players have now played themselves into it I'd feel more confident arguably arguably more confident if the team that played against Charlton was put out against um Arsenal than the team that played against Newcastle Mm. arguably because I've saw more from that game than I did the Newcastle game. Well, confidence takes you a long way. Massively. It really does. It and, really does. And having been a big critic of his, and I still am massively doubtful whether he is the £45 million forward we, we need. I Allaire has to play for me now. He mm. scored two goals against, yes, Charlton, but the second goal was a good finish. The header, you know, the first one, you know, was a tap-in, but the second yeah, one was... Right a, place, right time. Yeah, true. But the second one was a, it was a good header. Now... Yeah, but do you know why, X? Because he had a fucking cross in the box for once. Yeah. And look at the quality of the delivery from Robert Snodgrass. Yeah. He's he's known for it. In my opinion, that's his best attribute, his set pieces and deliveries from open play. Now, we don't have that ability, in my opinion, from anyone else on the pitch. He's no. the best at the club in terms of what he can deliver into the box. Yeah, um, I mean, you could argue, and I'm being argumentative by saying this, um, that, and I know that, that Allaire got in the header like he did because he was bullying League One defenders, League One reserve defenders because that wasn't their first choice ones. So maybe, the yes, the delivery was good, but perhaps that delivery could have came in the Premier League and the defender would have headed it away. Yeah, that's very defender. hypothetical. And I think you've been a bit harsh. Because don't forget, Ale's a big lad. He can look after himself. Mm, and he's uh, I don't know about that. He's a big lad. I don't know if he can look after himself. Uh, yes, yeah, I disagree. Well, see, yeah. I can only go back to his hold-up play. And we've had this debate before. Yeah, I actually think he did that quite well against uh, Charlton. You've got so, to be physically strong to, to, be, to have that as a good attribute. Oh, yeah, I think he did well. Uh, look. I'm not going to criticise him now because I'm trying to promote him to be in the team. I think if you're going to play a forward, you have to play a forward that's just scored two goals. Yeah, and you for West Ham's future, we need Allaire to be as good as you and other people say he is. You you need to give him the platform to show that. The perfect platform is you've just two, you've just scored two goals against Arsenal, so he needs to come in. Definitely, he mm. needs to come in. I would argue that um, 
Anderson needs to come in over for nows. I think Anderson looked okay. I think, you know, yes, it's League One, but I thought he played well, was more of a threat than for nows. Um, I could argue that Lanzini, I thought Lanzini did quite well in that game. Again, you're looking at Charlton, but I thought he played quite well. So you could argue that Lanzini comes in over Noble. I thought Cullen had a good game. Mm. I would. He was a standout performer in a lot of people's yeah, eyes. I thought he played well. I wouldn't put him in because I would put Lanzini in possibly for Noble. And then I would have Suchek and Rice now. Um, that They've had a bit of a rest. I would keep Masaraku at left back now again there's massive question marks over his ability to defend however I thought he played quite well against Charlton yes it's not the same as Arsenal obviously but I thought he played quite well and let's be honest Cresswell isn't offering him much competition for that spot and here's where I'd be even more slightly controversial I'd be tempted to keep Randolph in going to Fabianski Yes, he didn't have anything to do, but he kept a clean sheet. You know, mm. I would be tempted to do that. I really would. I mean, Randolph instead of Fabianski is questionable. I'm not convinced on that. Um, but if he did, then fair dues. Mm. Now, Yarmolenko, I thought, played all right, but you can't take Bowen out. So Bowen stays in over Yarmolenko. But then if me. you're putting Hilarion, what are you doing with Antonio? I think Antonio, I would put him on the bench now. Would you? Which would be bloody harsh because it was only one game against Newcastle where he got no service. Mm. But I would put Hilarion on now for the start and have Antonio um, come on as a sub. Or alternatively, you could put Bowen on the left maybe and put Antonio on the right. And play and not play Anderson and play those two there possibly because mm. um, I think Boeing could play on the left and he could cut in on his right. Um, so that would be the end of the world. I just think you need to freshen it up from that Newcastle game. I feel that Newcastle game was so poor. And when you've, I thought we played well against Charlton. And when you've done that, you need to reward players for mm. that. Mm. So, in which case, do you think there's a faint light at the end of the tunnel for Anderson and Lanzini? They played well, I would say, against Charlton. Not amazing, but they played well. I would say Lanzini was slightly better than Anderson. But then, look at that goal at the end. Lanzini did really well, mm. set up Anderson, Anderson scored. You know, that you can only do what is put in front of you. But that's a bit contradictory, because you just discredited Hilaire's goal for scoring against the League One side. I didn't discredit. I said it was a good finish. But I you just, also I, said that a Premier League defender might have got there first. I threw that in there for a caveat. But I did say, <laughs> I did say, I'm, I'm, I said, as I said, I'm doing this to be argumentative. Yeah. So yeah, you are right. But I but I would play it there. So, so touche then, would a Premier League defender have stopped Lanzini's tricks and flicks quite in the possibly. box before Anderson scored. Quite possibly. Yeah, quite possibly. But as I said, you're only as good as what's in front of you. I agree. You've, you've beaten a team 3-0. You know, we controlled the game. You know, the first goal shouldn't have been a goal. And there's one because the keeper should have intercepted it. I think the keeper was poor on that cut back from Yarmolenko because mm. I don't think Yarmolenko made proper contact with it. And Yarmolenko had too much space to start with anyway. So Alain might not have actually scored that goal if it had been the Premier because it probably would have been cut out before and but anyway confidence game if you pick the same team that played against Newcastle they know they got battered by Newcastle they know mm, they did mm. so I would would be uncomfortable picking that same team so I think you've got to take four or five from the Arsenal game that are on momentum Lanzini and Anderson could and Alaire 
could have turned up for that game and thought, fuck this, I don't want to play this game. It's a Carabao Cup against Charlton in an empty stadium. But they didn't. They played well. Mm. So I think they need to be rewarded for that. Yeah, it's a good result. So to summarise then, which players are in from the game against Charlton? Which players are out? Right, so my team for Arsenal, question marks over Fabianski and Randolph. I would go with either really I think it would be harsh maybe to drop Fabianski so quickly but I think it's been since he's come back from injury I would actually be tempted to say right Randolph you go in right now I'm going to get a stick for that but I think I would go Randolph I think I would go see debatable between Johnson and Fredericks I don't think Johnson was great against Charlton and he got booked for a very silly foul early on he had to be taken off against Bournemouth in the cup sorry in the the cup the Betway cup so it's torn between them but I think I would go with Johnson at right back there's another one in I would go Ogbonna comes back I wouldn't drop him and then it's whether you go with Diop or Balbuena don't think Balbuena was tested enough, really, to be able to justify him playing well enough to take over from Diop. But then Diop's been poor. Mm. So I think I would go with Diop, Diop, though. Then I would go Masarako left back over Cresswell. I would then go Rice Suchek in midfield with Lanzini. And then, which is harsh on Cullen because I thought he played well. And then I would go Bowen. And I think I've probably convinced myself now to put Antonio on the other flank and then Alaire up front and have Anderson come on early on if needed. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting take on it. I mean, I, I genuinely believe that with the players that we've got, three-five-two is what we're suited to best, in my opinion. I think I would like to see Antonio and Alaire up front, definitely. So mm. you could argue, uh, don't put... Um, uh, Lanzini in and put Antonio up front with Alaire and then have uh, I'm losing someone in, I'm losing track of the team now yeah and Masaraka <laughs> on the left as a wing back are you talking yeah so Masaraka as wing back and Fredericks or someone as right wing back and then the free central and then two up front is that what you're saying what are you saying yeah that is what I'm saying where's Bowen playing that um, okay so let's think about this then so you're free at the back and, I mean, some of these players are out of form, but when you look at the squad options what to replace those, I think I would stick with Fabianski okay. for now. Yeah. Um, I understand your thoughts on potentially keeping Randolph. I don't actually think Randolph's ever done that badly for no, West Ham. I actually think us. he's an all right keeper. Yeah. Uh, but I would stick with Fabianski okay. for now, I think. I think the central back three of Bonner, Diop and Balbuena. Okay. Um, then I would I would trial the wing backs as Mazuaku because I I know he had a good game against Charlton. How long have I genuinely been saying that Mazuaku gets overlooked and should get more of an opportunity to play on the wing for West Ham, especially when we're going with full nails? Yeah. You know, Mazuaku's got pace, he's got skills. I think he can create goals. Yes, people argue, well, he's not a left back. And when I argue he should play on the wing, a lot of people say, well, we spent most of his career at left back. Yeah. That. that that's irrelevant to me. He's not a left back. Whether yeah. he's played there all of his life, you can see from the way that he plays, he is naturally a left winger. Yeah. So I would have a compromise there and have him as a left wing back, which would slightly take the defensive duties away from him a little bit. Mm. So I'd have him on the left, Fredericks on the right, purely because of his pace. Yeah. And you'd like to think that those back three would be able to handle it enough by themselves. And then you look at... A midfield three of Suchek, Rice, 
and I would give Bowen a run out over Lanzini. Okay. I'd let him have a crack at number 10 role. Okay, yeah. That that would be the team that I would work with every single day say, the on prob- the training pitch. The problem is, with your team, is exactly what you've just alluded to there. Mm. You couldn't almost do that for Arsenal because it would be a complete change in system. Well, mate, I, no I, was, I was talking about this formation before well, the Newcastle I mean. game. Yeah. So it's all hypothetical. Yeah. If I was David Moyes, I would have spent the entire pre-season drilling the boys on that formation, knowing the best players I've got in that formation, go with them week in, week out, try and work some miracles on some of their confidence uh, and go into the season with that formation. One thing that would also be a problem with your system, ultimately long-term at West Ham, at the current state of play, is that you're playing with three centre-backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we only have three centre-backs. So the minute one of them gets injured, who are you putting there? You could put a youngster, you could maybe put Declan Rice. Well, there, yeah. Um, well, again, I mean, a lot of this comes down to recruitment. And again, this conversation highlights the frailty of our squad in that respect. Yeah. You could drop Declan to centre-half. Whilst he could do more than a good job there, you'd just be missing so much in midfield if you did that. But then again, I'm not being funny to any system I think we play because of the squad options being as they are, especially with the, the out-of-form players who have been out-of-form, by the way, for Christ knows how long, and we don't know if they're ever coming back. Um, your hands are tied to a degree. The only position, really, where we have some depth in is um, is in uh, midfield, really, particularly on the wings, because on the wings, arguably, if you just go, not whether they're in form or, or not, but where they play, you know, you've got Yarmolenko, you've got Antonio, you've got Bowen, you've got Fornells, technically in terms of where Moyes is playing him, um, you've got Mazaraku that we, we've said, um, Snodgrass can play on the, on the wing as well. Um, but how many of these actually have pace? Well, I know, but technically, by definition of what a position they are you could and the same for central midfield because central midfield you've got Suchet Rice Noble Wilshire if he's ever ever available um, Fornells Lanzini um, even Coventry or Cullen you mm. know so midfield is actually the only position where we where we actually have any like depth mm. so with your formation what you're saying and I can totally see the logic so I'm not discrediting it because I can see why you would say that with your formation you're almost taking away the one position that we have depth in and making it the least used but I also think that our wingers despite how many of them we actually have is probably the most ineffective part of our club yeah yeah so what are you losing yeah uh, it's true I mean it's it is, it is worrying that at the moment we still don't know what our best eleven is. You know, we can yeah, sit here and argue, do you play Antonio? Some would say yes. Some would say Alaire. Do you play both of them? Do you forget both of them? Do you play Silva? Do you play Anderson at all? Some would say yes. Some would say no. Do you play Fennels on the wings? Some would say yes. Some would say no. Some would say in the middle. Do you play Lanzini? Where do you play Mazuaku? Fredericks or Johnson? Balbuena or... Do you, you know, you could argue for every single player that the only player really... Really, the only players that you can say must start every week with confidence at the moment are Ogbonna, Rice, Suchek, mm. and possibly Bowen, maybe. Mm. They're the only four you can say 100% on performances deserve to play every week. Yes, yeah, spot on. And Antonio, harsh on him, because I'm going on one mm. game where he hasn't scored. But, and I feel that that is harsh, 
But there is the argument, who do you play, Alaire or Antonio? Yeah. And Alaire, technically, should be a better option than Antonio because he's a forward all of his career. Yeah. And physique-wise, is more suited to the lone forward position. See, you play that. I, with my formation, again, you do have the two up front. Yeah. And that is something I think a lot of fans are screaming out to see, to yeah, be honest with you. they played well against Southampton. Was it away together when they both played up front? Yeah, but the reason I would... I mean, you know... I, you could argue unjustifiably that I'm a Hilaire fan because I I like to think that I know a player when I see one. And I just think he has certain qualities that, again, if he gets the right service, we'll see the best out of him. I also love Antonio because whilst he's technically unpredictable, one thing I love about him is that no matter what crisis is going on around him, no matter how low the dressing room might be, he never seems to be affected by confidence. He never lets it affect his game. And I think at the moment when the chips are down, even after one game, but especially at the end of last season, and he proved this, he's the one player that won't let you down. He will give 110%. He's always hungry for goals. He's always playing with a smile on his face. And he always seems to have that confidence. And I think you need players like that in the starting lineup. I really do. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think um, he works hard as well, which, you know, for me, in any player, that should be a given, you know, because in any industry, any job, anything, right, If you can only massively be pulled up if from the start, if you don't put the required effort in, mm. yes, you might be shit at your job, and eventually that your your moving on or your sacking will come. But mm. if you fundamentally you're not putting in the effort required to do your job properly, then you should be out of there. Yep. So any player that's not putting in the effort in and they're being paid the money they're being paid is absolutely ridiculous. Um, mm. So, so I hate to say it as a as a as a strength, but it is his work rate, his effort, and yes, he scored quite a few goals. So to drop him after one game is harsh. It really, really, really is. But I just think Hilaire scored two goals, and I always advocate you don't change a winning team. I think in this case you do because it was it was a match change team against a lower league opposition. But you do need to take a lot of the of that winning formula to the next game. Well, whether it's on or off the pitch, it's obvious that a number of changes need to happen. And the vast majority of West Ham fans will tell you it needs to start with the owners. One ex-pro who has been very vocal with his opinions on this subject is Trevor Sinclair, and he joins us now. Trev, understandably, a lot of ex-West Ham players keep their opinions to themselves when it comes to the owners of this football club. You haven't. You've made your feelings clear on social media. In your own mind, why is it time for the ball to move on? I don't know why it's obvious that ex-players should keep quiet because even though they may, they may be employed by the club or they may be working within the club one way or another, I still feel you've got a responsibility as an ex-player to say how you feel because I think from our era when we played for the club, there was a lot more, I think there was a lot more of a connection between the players and the fans. We used to end up probably in the same booth at the end of the night and <laughs> I, I do feel, I do feel ex-players should be true to themselves and if they don't feel things are right say it you know don't sit on the fence because you you know you're protecting a few quid every week doing some bits and bobs for the club I'd come out and say it I've always been quite honest with what I say and you know listen I'm kind of almost probably alienating myself uh, with, with Mr Gold Sullivan and, and Karen Brady by being as honest and as, and as frank as I am but I'm not bothered you know I'm, I'm not a money orientated player uh, or person I wasn't as a player and uh, yeah that's why I feel like you know the fans need a voice they're getting dug out by certain journalists 
to be moaners. I don't I don't agree with that. You know, I'm I'm just certainly in your camp where, you know, that a lot was promised um, to try and convince the fans to move from uh, in quotes the bowling ground. It's Upton Park, isn't it? Come on, it is, yeah, it's right. And, um, yeah, a lot of promises were made uh, that we'd be competing up towards the top end of the table. We'd be competing for a European place. We'd be competing for silverware. And through bad decisions, that's not materialised. And I think, I think the fans are right to have a grumble because, you know, like I've said on Talksport, which is which is one of my jobs. You know, a lot of livelihoods were lost that have been going for generations in, in you know around the ground at Upton Park. Um, they, I don't think that they were brought along on the journey uh, with, with with the club uh, by the owners. I think there should have been a bit more transparency and a bit more inclusion. With, with that regard, it was almost quite. I thought it was almost quite arrogant, and the, and the feedback that I've got from fans is that they were kind of, you know, it was all, all razzmatazz and that. But actually, the, the fans didn't feel like they were being brought along. It was like they were almost going for a new audience and a new fan base. Mm. So I was disappointed with that because I think one of the things, you know, for me especially when I went to East London was I couldn't believe the community because you know I've lived in West London, which is very cosmopolitan. Uh, and then coming to the East End, which is it's almost like being in Manchester. It's, it's very close-knit. It's generation after generation supporting the football club. And, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic fan base. And I thought that was something that they should have tapped into when they moved, um, you know, whatever it is, five miles away from Upton Park into into the new stadium. And uh, that wasn't done. And the promises that they gave, you know, within five years, this would be the case. It's not materialised. Through bad decisions again, I think, you know, the manager... And it wasn't a popular opinion at the time. I thought David Moyes did a great job by keeping the club afloat and, and settling the ship, so to speak. I thought if he would have been given the same kind of investment and, and, and backing that Pellegrini got, who's, who's your kind of, you know, your romantic uh, big name um, on huge money, spent a lot of money at the football club and them, them, them uh, players that he brought in haven't really done it for the club. So uh, I thought that was another mistake uh, by not rewarding David Moyes by settling the club and, and, and keeping them, you know, retaining that Premier League status. And uh, it, it's been one bad decision after another. And obviously, you know, the, the final straw, I feel, for a lot of fans, and, 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 and you know, wrongly they were dug out for having a moan up, was the sale of Grady Diangana, who was excellent uh, last year for West Brom. Uh, I think the fans were quite excited what they seen early season and a couple of friendlies, you know, on YouTube or... On, on video because obviously they can't go and watch games they're quite excited to see him playing you know in the claret and blue and they weren't given that opportunity and he was sold and yeah I just think it's been a bit of an anti-climax it's been very underwhelming um, the stewardship from the owners and again you know that tr- transparency and that inclusion hasn't been there and I, I understand that the, the frustrations which the fans have got mm. I mean, obviously, you've spoke. You've made your feelings on the board very clear. There, um, can we um, put any of the blame at the feet of the players for the position that we find ourselves in? Yeah, I think the players have always got to take some some part of um, the responsibility and, and that blame, if, if you want to say that word. Um, because at the end of last season, when they were desperate and they were right in a corner, up against the ropes, as you'd say in a boxing bout. Um, they come out fighting and they've shown a, a lot of spirit and you know they got themselves in a position where they were a- able to keep West Ham United in, in the Premier League and, and you know fair play to them because you know you can't have any shrinking violets in that situation in that scenario 
And um, yeah, I was I was really impressed with the way they finished the season. But you've got to look at the the, the, the wider picture, and, and you look at the teams that were around us and the teams that got relegated. The only team that didn't get relegated below us was Aston Villa. They brought in Cash, Watkins, Emmy Martinez, and Grealish, uh, strengthened considerably. Teams that were slightly above us, like Newcastle. You know, I looked at their bench alone, and they've got Almiron, who, who I highly rate. I think he'd walk into our side. Richie, Ryan Fraser's a new recruitment, and, 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 and ironically, the two uh, scorers on the night at the London Stadium were Jeff Hendrick, who thinks an excellent player for, for Burnley, very underrated Irish international, and Callum Wilson, who's a bit of a git because he, he loves playing and scoring against us. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you're almost relying on the three promoted teams to go down. Now, I don't think Leeds are going to go down. Um, potentially, Fulham and West Brom. I watched Fulham against Arsenal on. Uh, the, the first game, uh, early kickoff at Craven Cottage, and they looked a little bit toothless um, until they brought uh, Anguissa and Mitrovic on, which I feel Scotty Parker, he, if he can get them fit, must play them because Anguissa looks top class to me. He looks a top class kind of attacking midfielder. I think there's been a few rumours that Real Madrid were after him. He's uh, uh, He's got a lot of... Um, um, physical presence he's very technical and he looks like he's not got any fear at all and obviously Mitrovic if you can keep him on the pitch without getting sent off he will score goals because he's proved that before so if they start to play they could start getting on a run and, and obviously West Brom are, you know the brand new to the Premier League and but I think Leeds will do well so you're almost saying Villa are out of it Newcastle with the recruitment are out of it Leeds I think under Bielsa and you know, hopefully if we get fans back, they'll have that impetus to put a fantastic performance up against Liverpool. They'll possibly be above us. So who else? You're looking at maybe Burnley, who've lost a lot of players. There seems to be a lot of problems there. But you're gambling on other clubs. I'd rather us, on the last day of the season when we secured our Premier League status, that David Gold, David Sullivan, Karen Brady, the board, the manager, got on a Zoom call because you couldn't meet because of social distancing had a sit down and said, where do we need to strengthen? And it's quite obvious, I think, for the fans, for myself and for the manager, that we need to get a really good defensive left back. We need a, a covering at the central defensive areas. Fredericks uh, does a decent job, but you need more competition than Ben Johnson. I think Mark Noble has been absolutely superb for the football club. What an excellent servant, you know, coming in as a kid from the academy, he's been superb. But his kind of influence on the team, even though it was good at the end of last season, is getting less and less. Um, so maybe a holding midfield. I, I actually feel we should be, shouldn't be playing four two three one. I think we should play four one three two, um, and possibly put Rice in at the, as the holding. Put Suchet. Four now. He's not got the athleticism for me. To mm. Play on the wing. You mm. know, I think if you're going to play anywhere on the wing on a pitch, you've got to be an absolute steeplechase runner. Uh, Fornals is far too uh, technical and uh, he hasn't got that cardiovascular ability and then I'd like to see two up top you know I think if Seb Haller and, and Antonio were up there together you know you look at what Everton do and they cause so many problems for teams when them two go up there and uh, under Duncan when they first started playing together as a two and I think uh, there's no reason why them two uh, Haller and uh, Antonio couldn't cause that kind of problems so I think there's a lot to think about but there's certainly um, recruitment needed, and that would have been the time, the day that we secured, you know, our Premier League status, that we all, that they all got on a Zoom call and said, right, what do we need? Right, we don't want, we we either don't want to put our hands in our pockets for any more because obviously they have brought in Bowen, who's been an excellent signing, 
and Suchek, who again you have to say Moyes has done well with both of them players. You want to back him. You haven't. You don't want to put the money in, or you haven't got the money to put in. And then it's that time to start looking for someone, uh, an investor who wants to have some kind of input on the club and, and, and for an investment so we can strengthen the squad and give them a real fighting chance. And not only a real fighting chance, give them a little spring in the step. You know, when you see a player coming through the door who brings a little bit and you think, he's, he's playing, he's going he's gonna to be competition, he's going to score us goals, he's going to win us games. Um, I think that gives everyone a lift and we just haven't had that. Mm, I think you're spot on, Trev. Talking of players, I'm sure you saw the tweet from Mark Noble stating his discontent over the salad in Ghana. Was he right to do that? Right, so there's two ways of looking at it for me. Um, club captain, big responsibility. Um, the football club has given him the platform to you know, have his career. But I think he's almost like, a, he's almost like me. He's like, he's like a fan of the club. And he understood the kind of ramifications that would come from that. And I feel he's thought, you know what, sod this, I, I feel I need to say something because he was almost looking at another player coming through the academy, nipping out for a year to get some good experience and then potentially having the same kind of impact at the club in a different position uh, that may be, but also coming through the academy and bringing something to the first team. He obviously loved what he's seen in training. He's a great lad, which I've heard him say. Um, and I think he, he obviously, listen, you look at our left-sided players and although both Lanzini and Philip Anderson did okay, Anderson scored the goal, Lanzini was quite influential last night against the League One team, um, they've been poor, come on. Um, and we, we, listen, we loved both of them players when they were right on it, you know. Yeah. Anderson, uh, not last season, but the season before, Lanzini before his injury, you know, and the love that the fans give them two players, you know, they couldn't have complained about that. But since Anderson's had that first seat, he's come back, he was poor last season, he just looked, didn't look bothered, he got into the Brazil squad and all the rest of it. He needs to humble himself, get himself super fit again and start bringing something to the table. I think Lanzini, I don't think it's because of his lack of effort, I think he understands the football club. I think that's more to do with the injury has affected him more than he would have liked. He's slightly lost his agility and his pace uh, and that can take time it took me time when I, when I got my injury at West uh, at QPR and then I came back and I slightly adapted my game luckily I was able to put on a little bit of muscle and, and be more of a powerful player rather than a skillful player I'm not sure Lanzini's got the, the stature to do that so he might have to try and think of ways where he may be you know a number eight or um, you know more of a number 10 where he's a technical link player and he gets involved he's still got a good touch but he's not been to his standards so you look at that side and it was perfect for Dean Garner to come in there and, and, you know, really have an impact on the team. So, like we said at the top, I think players have got to take responsibility. Um, but as it stands, I think we certainly need reinforcements and possibly a fox in the box who's not so good on, you know, link up playing and, and, and building up, but he gets into the areas and scores a lot of like goals in, in, in quite close to goal. So, like a Jermaine Defoe player, I think we need someone like that who's a natural goal scorer who's going to chip in with nine, ten goals a season as well. Mm, definitely. I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever played for a club where there was so much pressure on the owners to sell, but from a playing perspective, how much do you think this is going to affect the performance on the pitch? Well, I'd like to think the lads that, um, you know, they, they stick together because it's all about team, team spirit. I think, you know, when you've got players like Martin Noble who understands the fabric of the football club, understands the fans, understands what it means to the fans. 
think he's a great influence in there, although the Leonis are probably pissed off with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he will, he'll make sure that the lads stick together and, 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 and dig in. Um, I'm quite impressed with Josh uh, Cullen last night. I think he's mm-hmm. gone off, he's done his apprenticeship away from the club, um, which a lot of players are fearful of doing. He's gone out there, he, you know, he's cut his teeth. I thought he looked excellent last night, and that possibly could be someone who could come in and, 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 um, and fill that space for Mark as he becomes less involved in the first team. Not just yet, because he's still not, you know, he's not over it, but I think he could play a part. Um, but yeah, I think, it, listen, it does affect the players. Um, and uh, I think, you, you know, it, it, I, wish we, I wish we could get the fans in the stadium to support the lads and show the support for the players. Cause I, I feel the fans are not peed off with the players, they're peed off with the owners. Yeah, now, I think the, right. the owners, it's not that I want them to sell, you know, or, or, or I, I actually don't feel it's probably the right time to sell, if, if, you know, if if talking from an investment point of view. But if they could get some investment, um, put some kind of share offer down for an investment group or consortium so they can invest in the club, invest in players, I feel it could be turned around very quickly and it's, it's just getting them players in, backing the manager, believing in, in his opinion because like I said earlier, he's got it right with Bowen and, and uh, Suchet. And um, yeah, I think, you know, there's three or four players away from being a really good squad and um, yeah, I understand the, the frustrations of the fans but I wouldn't. Sometimes it's better the devil, you know. You know, they talk about the, they support the club, they understand the club. Well, get some investment from somewhere else if you don't want to invest yourself. Get some pl- extra players, you know, in that squad, and and let's uh, let's try and back you again and see if you can turn it around. Yeah, well said, Trev. So, what are your thoughts on David Moyes? Is he the man to take this club forward? You know what, Moyes. He lives very close to me. He lives in in Liverpool. Um, so you better be careful. I think, no, he's not that. I don't really bump into him that much because he's very busy at the moment. But from the outside, before I bumped into him on a social level, you know, I played golf with him. Um, I think he's evolved as a person. person. You know, I don't think he's a school teacher, kind of headmaster, school teacher type anymore. I think he understands that the players coming through now have changed and he's had to change his approach. So I think he's evolved as as a manager, he's evolved as a man. I think the, the, the performances towards the end of his first reign were exceptional, as they were towards the end of last season. And I think he just needs that little bit of backing. Again, you know, I know that, that you know the board might say, "Oh, well, we've put 50 million into Bowen, into Suchek, and, and all the rest of it." Yeah, that was for last season. You've got if you want to survive in this division, you've got to reinvest again. You get enough money up the Premier League. You need to invest money again. You, you've just got the money from um, Dean Garner. I'd like to see three or four players come in with, you know, a 60, 70 million pounds investment into the playing squad. And I feel if we do that, you know, I think uh, I'm not too keen on Kolasinac. I'd love to see Rob Holding, but I don't think he's keen. James Tarkovsky is an excellent central defender, leader, wins that first contact when the balls are being put into the box. I think he'd be excellent. You look at the player that Arsenal have just signed, Gabriel. Now he's 20, I think he's 22, 25 million. You know, he was so commanding in both 18-yard boxes. He scored a goal against Fulham. Anything that went into the box defensively, he won. I think you've got to broaden that kind of uh, scouting range and start really working, you know, and being kind of um, clever with the way that you recruit rather than just going and looking at, you know, close in in the UK or, 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 you know, La Liga. I think go have a look in have a look in Holland have a look 
have a look around and see what's around it and, and back your scouts. So get proper scouts in and back them and, and take the time out to second uh, look at these players as well. But we certainly do need an extra central defender. I think Diop, you know, although he's got a lot of potential, there's a lot of pressure on him and he has struggled and uh, when he's not getting any younger. Um, so there's, there's, there's certainly areas in the field, there's certainly... Uh, areas where I feel we could change the shape to suit the players better, which I'm sure David Moyes is looking at. But I do feel David Moyes, he knows how to manage a group of players. And uh, I feel the more time he gets and the more uh, transfer windows that he's backed in, this team and this squad will get stronger and stronger. Yeah, definitely. I think we've definitely got to start investing in the team now. I mean, like you said, um, Newcastle and other clubs have benefited from that and we clearly need it as well. Um, so for, you've obviously got a lot of affection for West Ham, Trev, and hypothetically speaking, would you take a new ownership that would see heavy investment, a crack at domestic trophies and maybe even Champions League qualification if it meant uh, we potentially had to change our name and team colours thinking of like the Red Bull model in Germany and so on would that be something that appealed to you or do you, would you not want that? Firstly I wouldn't I think um, I think you know the, the structure of the football club needs to change but I think when you start talking about fundamentals claret and blue when you start talking about what it means to the fans uh, wearing claret and blue even like putting London on the badge it's caused so much you know friction between the, the owners and, and, and the fans imagine if they started calling us I don't know West West Ham Red Bulls or whatever you're going to call it I just I wouldn't be I wouldn't be in favour of that I think we stick to our principles we stick to you know what we're about we're about East London we're about you know fans always being up against it and, and playing attractive football I honestly feel that we need to try and put a philosophy in place where you know from the under sixes well maybe not that because you don't formations but from your under 13s all the way up to the first team you have a real core value and it's about entertainment it's about you know being fit it's about being proud to wear the claret blue shirt and try and get something a core value that everyone believes in and then when the kids do come through they understand the responsibilities they got they understand the fans and i think that's something that the the fans would be really proud of when we could start having that identity which we already have and I don't want that to be diluted personally. And if we go to a, a Red Bulls like brand like that, I feel you will be diluting that. And it is a special thing, and it's a heritage. You know, going back to the '66 squad that I don't think you, you should be even considering losing. Yeah, absolutely spot on, mate. I, I couldn't have put it better myself. What do you expect from West Ham this season? Do you think we'll stay up? Well, I think if we get the investment, you've got two weeks. I think we need to invest now because if we don't invest now and get these, these transfers over the line, uh, like I say, the planning should have been done on the day we, 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 we secured Premier League status last year. That's when the work should have been beginning. Yeah. Uh, that's when certain names should have been put forward to the board. And if they didn't have the money, that's when they should have started looking for investment. For me, if you're running a football club, you always have to be ahead of the curve. If we're scrambling now, we could be in trouble because I think if you're starting looking at the January transfer window, you look at our picture list, even the next six games, it's ridiculous. Yeah. We, we could quite easily be bottom of the league um, come the end of October. Um, and then you're up against it. And then you're asking for a different you're asking for a different personality in the players. You're asking them to play under pressure, even if the fans aren't there. Teams are going to be smelling that weakness. And I just think it's unnecessary. And it, just for a little bit of lack of preparation and a lack of planning... You don't have to be in this situation. 
So I hope they've got some real um, candidates to come in and, and recruitments to come in and that are very close and negotiations are already starting that we don't know about. I hope the investment's there ready to be invested in the team. Uh, but if it's not, I, I think we could be really struggling this season because I, I do not believe Leeds will be down there. I don't believe with that squad that Newcastle have got, they'll be down there. So you're almost relying on one of the other teams at Burnley to be worse than West Ham to give us a fighting chance that January in, in the January transfer window. Mm. Trev, thanks for coming on, mate, and thank you for your honesty. We appreciate that, and I know the listeners will do too. Um, look after yourself, pal, and we hope to speak to you again soon. Stop, man, Dave. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, mate. So, dare I ask, what is your prediction for Saturday? Uh, my prediction for Saturday, unfortunately, if I'm being honest, is a loss. And it is a 3-1 loss. Right, okay. Very similar to mine, except mm. I'm not optimistic enough to call that we're going to score. Right. I'm going to go for 3-0. You know, I had 2-0 in my head as I was about to finish the sentence and then 3-1 came out. I don't know what happened there, but I'll stick with 3-1 because I can <laughs> picture us maybe giving a bit of false hope and then it being dashed like our dreams, they fade and die. So I'm going to go 1-0, 2-0 Arsenal, 2-1 West Ham, 3-1 Arsenal. Well, talking of predictions, week one yep. is, uh, is I gone. I didn't actually check, you know. I'm sure you're ahead of me because you wouldn't have brought it well, up. Well, I certainly those. wouldn't be ending a segment with it if I was behind no, you would I, I was going to say um, but you can't also be surprised that I'm currently a hundred places in front of you how many points how <laughs> I, many I'm points? not actually too sure well, I, only, um, I only look for the numbers okay. and, and then I look for where you are and I think I had to go to page seven I was getting bored Did actually by the time badly? I was flicking through I think you're something like 325th and I'm 225th I think there or thereabouts okay so what I'm now doing just out of interest Brilliant. So I've just loaded up the fancy league that I finally <laughs> right. brought you See, into. See, I knew you were going to say this, but, but I'll I, let you finish first. I Go on. Actually, I wasn't actually going to say it until you, I actually forgot, to be fair. And that is actually <laughs> the first time I've checked. Right. I actually didn't know what score I got. I actually don't know because I haven't checked it since the first day. So I don't even know what point Fucking load of bollocks I, this honestly, is, honestly. I swear down, I haven't. I didn't know that Werner got an assist, so well done, lad. But I just got bloody lucky. Well, I don't know, lucky or great insight. If it was you talking about yourself, you'd say great insight. <laughs> um, I put uh, Mo Salah as captain, and yeah. obviously he scored a hat-trick. So looking at the leagues, now when I cross the ball, Frank... Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, little private a, joke. Yeah, yeah, a little private joke that entertained us in Ibiza yeah. for many an hour. And I look in that league, I see the West Ham way managed by XWHU employee, 71 points. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. Average score, 144 that week. No, aver- top score, 144 that week in the whole league. Average is 50, so it's 21 points above the average. And then mm-hmm. I scroll down second place. There's only two teams in the league. Code Red Rangers. Yeah, um, that's me. And they have shit themselves, <laughs> and literally, and they have thirty-five points, which is actually yeah. half, more than half. Yeah. Of what I've right. So and now I let me have my no, no, say. No, I haven't right. Finished. I haven't finished. So we had another league where I accidentally created. I created the wrong league, which is a head-to-head league where each week the highest score gets three points out of me and you, and the lowest score gets zero. So the league table. Right. In, okay. In, you've gone to town on this, haven't you? Mean and to. I'll come to the reason. Wine I, I a minute, didn't by mean the way. To, and it's called this is the Curry Bets League. And in the Curry Bets I League, I didn't even know these fucking leagues existed. You, did, you entered them, you liar. Because you, like, you told me it went to this fucking six digit pin. I don't, yeah. I'm going to have my bloody sound this in a minute. So, gonna, have you finished yet yeah, or not? So, um, West Hamway obviously claimed 
three points and uh, at the top. So, yeah. Right, um, okay. Right, so now, the point I was going to make on this, <laughs> I know you so well, right? I know that you were gutted about the predictions last season. Did, yeah, about last season. I swear right? that I didn't know So, what this were, season... The motive behind you going on and on and on and on at me to join this poxy fantasy league, which I've never played in my life, by the way. True or false? Well, you pretend. You've never played well, it. Well, no, I haven't played it ever. You've been playing it for how long? 20-odd years? <laughs> not that long. The Premier League's not been a long mm. that, around that long, has it? Okay, but so how know, long are we talking more, then? Okay, probably about nine to... No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I would get, no, I've played... Yeah, I've played... Right, now you forever. know... The ins and outs of playing this, right? Well, I know the rules. I, the see, I don't really know the rules. Reason. I don't really know how to play They're it. On the website. I'm only yeah, but I can't be bothered to read it, mate. Well, you do management. understand that I've literally only played this to shut you up. Well, yeah. you do realise that. No, so, no, if and, and be, you, no, if you, you know really you're if, far better at me than this, and you, you knew you'd beat me at this. If, so, this is going to be your fucking fallback if, argument every okay. single week. I beat your predictions. Mr. Walker, I know you so Mr. well, Mr. Walker. Hear me out. If you were top of the league right now in fantasy football would you which be i was quite, never gonna would be would you be quite a poxy game yes no you would i would well, but i would never be top i'll tell you why because <laughs> i put i put my team out on twitter yeah i am <laughs> i put my team out on twitter i took a, a load of advice from a number of followers that said right dave have you done this you should be doing and it was all fucking went over my head i didn't even realize you have to do this in fantasy football and then, you know, for example, I showed you my team. You're like, oh, God, that's actually really decent. Knowing full well my Kante selection <laughs> that was, was a bad question. one. That was because he isn't going to score one. goals, apparently. And I got to the end of it, and I thought, you know what? Fuck this. Why did I enter this? And then I thought, oh, I know. I entered it to shut you up. And the reason you were pressing me on it is because you wanted something to bloody beat me at for once this season. <laughs> and that is your contingency plan <laughs> for when I beat you at predictions again this season. Uh, oh, yeah, but what about fantasy football? <laughs> but, okay. That you're a fucking expert Okay, mate. Mate, how long have we played fantasy football for? A week. Yeah, a week and a year. Yeah, a year. So, it, so we're both. So, like, I don't know the game. I don't know the rules. I don't of know of to what? Play it, of prediction game. What do you do. mean? It's your fucking game. Yeah, but I, we've only played it a year. I don't know what the rules are. <laughs> so does that mean that I've achieved something outstanding? Then because we're in the same read, boat. You've read the rules. I, you know, <laughs> what read, predicting a score? Bit, I mean, how many rules are there associating uh, to picking you, West Ham nil, Arsenal five? Yeah, but you've got to know like which players can be booked for. I don't know the rules. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. so, so, you so know that ain't going to watch as much as I do. Mate, at the end of the day, the fantasy football game is a skill. They do listen, they do programs on it. They do there's Twitter, mate, Twitter, fantasy football accounts. They love me if I put the team out before the deadline for fantasy football. It's a phenomenon. Oh, yeah. Mate, it's a four million player. It's, a, it's fucking huge, yeah, right? Yeah. So and I've a, never been one of them because it ain't my type no, of game. Mate, because it requires skill and, and this is rather than just random predictions. So this is where you have to be. <laughs> love the fact actually, it's actually the point. It's come to a clinch fist now. <laughs> you can see it. So, so the thing is, with this skill, with this Dixie, skill, come on. Dixie, <laughs> come here. Sit next to that. This game, mate you know you have to work a budget you know you got I know there's fucking so much to it yeah, I got bored I got yeah there you go complicated yeah, you bloody knew that yeah, as well but it, but finger pointing's back but it's an art well, yeah, but fucking there you go. That's the caveat, isn't it? So well, you knew that I'd be dog shit at this game. Not if you withheld a few fucking rules as well. Mate, I the think the rules to, are on the website to yeah, read. Mate, I ain't going to sit there and read the rules of a website to a game I don't even want to play, am mate, I? I'm not going to go and study the form of every team to get my predictions right. Like, what, you, you think that's what I do? Yeah, look at the graph on the wall there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but what you're saying, right? It's like me and you going to play foot golf, right? right. It's both a game we understand, we know what the rules are, um, and the best man wins. Right. Yeah. It's like me constantly beating you at foot golf, and then you saying, right, Dave, let's have a game of golf, normal golf, and you're shit hot at golf, and I've fucking never picked a club up in my life. That is the analogy I would use in comparison to what you're doing to me now with this poxy fantasy league. What I would say has happened in, in world football, and I alluded to this last year, right? <laughs> so it's like us going to play foot golf, yeah? And then all of a sudden, some worldwide thing happens that tells you you can't kick the ball with your right foot or your or your preferred foot, and you have to kick it with your left the whole time. So all sorts of randomness is going to come into play here, right? Because I've got you're probably better with your left foot than me because you're a better footballer. But for me, I'm very one foot, and I am left footed as well. Oh, so that would actually oh, work in my favour. Oh, okay, well let's just say then you have to play with your bad foot every time you play foot golf, yeah, or you have to head the ball rather than kick it. That is what happens. Okay, that'd be a long game. <laughs> yeah, I know, but. But this is what happened with world football with this pandemic. It is just literally unpredictable, apart from fantasy football, where that doesn't. Apply. Oh my god! So, oh, are you still blaming your season-long defeat on the predictions on the pandemic? We have COVID nineteen. We haven't played the prediction league from start to finish, and we won't this year either, <laughs> where there isn't a pandemic. So until we have that luxury, then then come back. To so me. you don't really have a contingency plan for if things go wrong. Then you just ever the world's got to be a perfect, lovely place where candy floss clouds and poppy fields for you to even begin playing properly mate what's the biggest thing in football the most important thing to football well you're going to say fans well it is that's the answer there are no fans at the game what the fuck's that got to do with you getting the score right because it affects the games unpredictably well what would Scott Treadwell say about that then who won the predictions league he was smashed it left right and centre as did the top 10 by the way there's you know, I got lucky. As much as I love Scott, you can tell he's a kind of wacky, unpredictable <laughs> fella. <laughs> can you? Yeah, just just the way he is. You know, he's you know Scotty, isn't it? So you know, Scotty trends. You know, so things are just are just a bit. You know, that plays into his strengths. Oh, mate, I could literally have this conversation all day long, but I know people are waiting for something in particular, and it is that time again. So, X, you said there was going to be some big news in September. I knew what it was because you told me in advance. But for those at home, give some clarity on what this news is. Well, it's basically the stuff that started to come out uh, in West Ham circles now. Um, I basically heard of negotiations and I've kind of already talked about it on the show, which I find a bit odd that it's not really been... You know, this stuff that secret ITK is saying seems to be revelational, but it's stuff that I've already kind of said, so I'm a bit surprised that the attention he's got. But to be more clear about what it was, was that I knew that there was going to be some more than just distant interest from West Ham investors and that there would be some inquiries that would go into the club um, and the tentative inquiries and that... West Ham, the big news is is that the chairman are prepared to entertain offers within a certain region, as you know. Yeah. And I showed you an email um, where discussions had been back and you forth. Um, and so I knew that discussions were prepared to happen because that is what I had seen. Um, and, and it was definitely from, well, it was an email conversation between a potential investor and... And the person you would speak to in West Ham if you wanted to invest without 
I've been pretty much giving away who it is without officially saying it. Um, so I knew that these things were happening. I knew there was interested parties, and that was basically the news. But to add a little sidetrack, there is two other things that I that were kind of within that now or separate to it but there's two other things that i will say at the end of september they're not as big as that but they're interesting little things that could potentially happen um but but they but one of them has happened right now to sound really vague um uh, i might as well say what that is that's a Mm. that's a made-up transfer rumor that again i've managed to get circulating across the across the football world which will emphasize a point i'm about to say about the takeover bids I have put a fake rumour out there alongside another West Ham account and it's not Sean Whetstone this time. It will become clear by the end of September and you'll see how many people took that one on. And the other bit of news, I can't confirm either way whether that's happened or not yet because it's not the end of September or the end of the window, shall we speak. So I will say what it is, even if it doesn't happen, um, in the end of the window. But, but can you give us more out. beef on this takeover business? Well, this is this is the, this is it. Right, so... So all of this has really started because Spencer Owen, West Ham YouTuber, put up, put on some guy called Secret Agent who was talking about a potential bid for West Ham coming in and that these offers were going to be um, coming in in two weeks, I think he said. And funnily, Spencer called me out, and I think you saw the... Yeah, I you did. did, yeah. And I messaged for, him myself, you actually. You did, you did. And for some reason, decided to, on his show, say, oh, does this guy know everything? And also say, and you can confirm this while we're live on air, that I save all my information for the podcast mm. because it makes me and you money. Mm. So well, that was out of order. I well, told him as much. Unnecessary and out of order. you're taking the money and not telling me about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, like, Spencer. Yeah, exactly. And Fucking rumbled now. And he's exposed you. You take an eye on you. <laughs> yeah, then I can confirm I have not seen much of this money. Of course, occasionally the odd uh, advert comes in and we make a very minimal amount, mm. but certainly not enough to fucking change my life. The odd upon. bollock shaver here and there. <laughs> yeah, it's that's about it, really. Bollock shavers and pitch DM or whatever they. That's it, mate. Just correctly misspelled the one of our biggest sponsors. That's it. No problem. I love pitch, but but they haven't changed my life put it that way uh, so the fact download that, your app today yeah exactly. the fact that i tweet news on a daily basis is absolute bollocks anyway so i was annoyed about it because it was completely untrue and it played into the hands of the trolls that seem to think i make a killing out the name of west ham which i honestly do not do um believe me i work a nine to five job mm. very stressful job and i do other things to earn money because i do not make money from this i have had offers many a time to do it and I haven't because that is not what I want to do and not what I'm about so anyway I was annoyed about it so using the sources that I have I decided I'm going to find out who this secret ITK is um so he put out that there was going to be a takeover bid yeah and it was going to break in the press within the next two weeks and it did so credit to him it did break in the press he said what was going to happen and it did happen so anyway i don't know i'm jumbling myself up in a kind of logical timeline here of information but there's so much to talk about so uh they've always been these interests premier league clubs get this all the time the majority of them are chances that they'll just do it out of interest they'll put in an offer to a chairman and say look i've got this amount of money i work for this amount of company this company blah 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 i've mentioned 
you know, companies that potentially could take over West Ham coming from UAE, you know, Dubai, coming from um, Saudi Arabia and USA. Now, a number of the people that he, he specifically said, although his story has now changed that there's Chinese offers in, which he didn't say two weeks, like last time. So he said there's an American uh, uh, bid coming in and it's coming for someone linked to Las Vegas. He said what goes on in Vegas stays in, uh, can happen in East London or something. So potential American takeovers, uh, bid, uh, bidders for the club could and could be um, Todd Balihi, I don't know, but that's his name. He's very, very rich. That's been categorically denied by people close to him that I know. Joseph de Grossa, categorically denied by people close to him. The Las Vegas Raiders owner, categorically denied. When I asked the most important person in a takeover of West Ham from our end whether there was any truth in this, and I sent this to Spencer Owen um, of Las Vegas... um, owners taking over the top person replied to me i don't even know who owns las vegas raiders so that shows to you how much interest there was in that respect now clubs have inquired about what west ham would be could be bought for that is just through email conversation yeah that is not a bid for a club. A bid for a club has to go through solicitors. It has to go through a whole legal process. Evidence of funding has to be provided and put on the table, particularly given that, that when they sold to Carson Jung, I think his name was maybe, that's not the dictator of North Korea, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's in prison, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think, uh, I think think that was his name. When they sold Birmingham, he proved to be not as legit as they thought when they sold to him. Yeah. So they would have to prove this bid. Now, there are various owners of shares in West Ham, the obvious ones being David Gold and David Sullivan. Now, without meaning to give away too many sources, you can speak to both of these people reasonably easily if you know the right avenues now if i was to say that one chairman out of the two has no knowledge of has even been spoken to about a takeover bid you can guess which one that is Mm -hmm. and the other one has said categorically that the the rumors about the bids are nonsense now if i've got this on my phone you know i can put this out on Twitter, if I want to, mm. and I need to prove evidence, I've sent it to these people. So, in a nutshell, what I'm trying to say is the board are more willing to listen to offers. They have entertained email offers and have said what they would sell for. That is a mass, that's massive news. West Ham fans want me to put positive news out today. If you're an anti board person, that is positive news because it shows that they are prepared to listen to the right offer. I can also categorically say that the board have been affected by the protests, have been affected by the negativity, are upset by how West Ham fans view them. So Hammers United and equivalents GSB out is having the desired impact from that for those parties. How much of an impact do you think the percentage of season ticket renewals has had on them as well? I think that's a factor. I mean, which is sitting at thirty percent. Well, I was told fifty a week or so ago. I've been told different figures. 
I don't think we'll ever know the official figure because it wouldn't look good, I would suggest. Mm. So I think it's going to be, and whether they've got reduced capacity anyway, mm. no one's really going to know for a long time what the actual figure is. Mm. But yeah, probably that's affected them. Obviously, they've said COVID's affected their money situation. You know, the negativity that came with the Dean Garner sale, you know, the players speaking out. It would, it doesn't matter how arrogant or how much you value yourself, public opinion does matter you know people tell me i should ignore trolls for example and generally i can now and that i get far more positive comments than i do which is then the negative it's true i do but you can't help it there's just something in your human psychology that brings you to look at those things and they will see it and they will know you know even going to the game uh, yes, uh, yesterday there was people outside with banners, you know, mm. where the so they know it. So I guess that's the positive thing. If West Ham fans want a positive and you want the board out, that's a positive. There are interest in West. There is interest in West Ham, but no official bid has been submitted now to claim that it's going to break in the papers. So this is will prove that I'm genuine. Is a easy thing to do. I refer Angelo Romero, a unknown guy whose name I made, whose name Sean Wetson gave me, a Paraguayan who I said was interested, West Ham were interested in because he was Balbuena's teammate, right? That story was on Sky, ESPN, most newspapers. It was on the fact that Angelo Romero was interviewed on pitch side about interest from West Ham that I made up. Yeah, so that can, I, I've put, without meaning to be arrogant again, but I'm just telling you the bare facts, I've put stories in the press before, 100%. I can show you them, yeah, where agents have contacted me and said, this guy, my guy, is interested in, this club's interested in my guy, can you let the papers know? You know, it's so easy to do. Look at the Piat WhatsApp story. Mm. No one knows whether that was officially true or not. I could have just made that up. I didn't, and it is true, and I showed you the WhatsApps. Mm -hmm. But no paper contacted me and said, show me the WhatsApps confirming that. No one said anything to me. I just randomly said it on a podcast, and look what happened to that story. Mm. It's still well talked about. So to claim just because something's appeared in the paper is not a way of validifying your information also something questionable about this talk and i'm not calling the fella out because the fella didn't actually dig at me it was spence that didn't he's apologized and i've got a lot of respect for spencer i think what he's achieved with hashtag and everything is massively commendable and when he gets the stick he does i think a lot of the time it's unjust and harsh so i'm not having a go at them but you have to question why the Guardian newspaper and the Sun newspaper are the only real papers running this and they are putting out articles at the exact same time as each other with the exact same information without actually naming who the bidders are. Now, think how much publicity they've got. Mm. How many people have read these articles? Mm. How many people are clicking on and talking about it? It's all over West Ham Twitter. Why would the Sun and the Guardian go into collaboration on a story that could be potentially exclusive to one of them that's got the news. Mm. It's much better to have your exclusive for your paper and go, bang, these are the facts. Mm. But where are the facts? That I've got an email right here on my phone, which I've showed you from the very top, saying that the bids are nonsense. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there. And I can put that out on Twitter if people... I don't like to do that because it would be exposing a source. But I'm telling you now, I went to the very top to find out. And it says it there, unless it's a lie, which it could be a lie. But my understanding, as we stand right now, is that there are interested parties in West Ham, yet no one has submitted a formal bid. Now, there's talks of bids being rejected. There has been no formal bid. I could email you and I could say to you, mate, right, I'm going to buy your PlayStation off you for 100 quid. Right, and you might say, okay, I want 150 for it. That doesn't mean I put a bid in. Well, I haven't offered you any money. I've not given you the money. I've not proven I can buy it. It's just an email exchange of what the valuation could be. So can you say who these speculative parties are at this stage? Well, the, the, the ones are all from America. I mean, the one probably with the most credibility is CAA, which is an agency which I talked about before. They represent James Corden. They have bought a stake in an agency, football agency in England. You know, they're looking to invest in various things. They may have, they have had email exchanges over the valuation of the club. You know, there's been parties with Trip Smith has tried to get investors from abroad. There's talk. You know, the, the secret agent has said that a West Ham legend will, it will be involved in the process of taking over. So which process is he involved in? Is he involved in the American bid or the Chinese bid? You know, and I would guess that the legend that they're suggesting, without knowing, but just guessing, is Tony Cotty, because his name often comes up in these talks, right? And he's tried to have consortiums before. So which consortium is he working for? The Chinese ones or the American ones, right? The other thing to consider here, just to blow this out now, I... I I promised Spencer that I wouldn't name who the secret agent is and I will stick by that because I'm not two-faced and I'm not a grass but as you would have seen with the spat which was all started on me I was playing football manager mate and all of a sudden my phone exploded where they'd called me out so I I, I was doing nothing um so basically because he called me out I was annoyed I'm not gonna lie I was like why are you doing this what have I done to all of this yeah so I deliberately found out who secret agent was yeah and I found out who he was I know factually as confirmed by Spencer Owen who secret agent is yeah and I won't say who he is but secret agent is not secret agent secret agent is now I've been told the person who I know was secret agent is the voice of secret agent he is not secret agent. So he is speaking. I'm fucking well confused. This is what I mean. This is what I'm trying to tell you. So he is the voice of the person that's got the news. Yeah. So firstly, why doesn't the original secret agent say the news? Why do they have to have the voice of the secret agent? Firstly, I mean, what's the point? Like, Get the original guy in to talk about it. Secondly, secret agent speaks as if it's him. If you listen to the interview with Spencer, he said, I categorically told you this. I categorically told you this. But when I found out what secret agent was, he didn't categorically say it. He was speaking on behalf of someone else. So, so you know what I mean here? This is what I mean about the credibility, a little bit of this. Now, secret agent, I hope, is right. I hope uh, he said the club, uh, the latest one today, if I can bring it up on my phone, and believe me, there's a lot more to talk about in my section. This could be the longest one I've ever done. Um, I was told, where is it, that secret agent said today, blah, 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 blah. Just need to quickly find it. These are his words today um right there's two further interests in west ham since owners have made it clear they will sell okay they've made it clear that they will sell for ages yeah i've known that this is what i've said to you this has been going on for months right mm. okay two chinese parties americans to bid again imminently west ham legend helping to negotiate the deals and will take board seat 
no disrespect to Tony Cotty, but or whoever this West Ham board legend is, maybe it's Trevor Brookin. What what role, what qualifications do they have to negotiate takeover bids for Premier League football clubs? Mm. Uh, they're good footballers. And then it says offer accepted in the next two to three weeks. Okay. And then it says club to have new owners this year. If that happens, that is a really quick turnaround. Talking about the fact we're in the middle of September. So mm. they've got to buy all the shares that are available. And don't forget, they're not just David Sullivan shares, David Gold, Trip Smith, minor shareholders. They've got to get all this legally approved, go through the, the tests that they have to do on Premier League owners to be done. And I'm assuming by year, he means 2020 in three months time. Let mm. me make on that what you will. The things that I will confirm is I will confirm that there is interest in West Ham, like there is other clubs, and the board are willing to meet um, offers. However, the valuation of West Ham to what has been offered is very, very different. Because on a previous show, we were saying, and you were saying, that they value the club at 800 million. Mm-hmm. But the reason they've done that is to counteract a financial loophole to selling before. 2023 mm-hmm. so we're saying that that is still very much the case and there are speculative emails coming in testing the water or are they so fed up that there is movement on that and they potentially will sell for less i think it's a bit of both i think at the moment there's speculative email conversations look if you want to judge were like technically what secret agent said he is right he said that there would be interest in west ham and there has been interest in West Ham, but there's been interest in West Ham for the last however many months. How many times have I talked about interest in West mm. Ham from abroad? Um, so that really isn't technically true, but the board are not, not it is true, but it's not new. The board ha- are frustrated with life. I think there's rifts amongst the board to drop that in there. I think there's been a lot of disagreements recently about how to run the club going forward between certain members of the board. Um, and so, yes, they are probably willing to sell for less, maybe, than they would previously. But to say, unless something changes massively in the last few weeks, and I'll put my hands up and secret agent, and I will say he called it, okay? But I don't know. I think it, I think, I think it's a dangerous game, I'll be honest with you, that's being played here, maybe, maybe. And I'm not going to suggest what I think is happening in terms of this game, but you're getting fans' hopes up massively here with, fact, with very, very loose facts, I would say. So, to summarise, there is potentially interest, but if there is, it's very, 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 very early days. Yes. And yes. if that interest does progress, it could take a substantial amount of time to get this over the line and have new owners for the reasons you've mentioned. It has to. Anyone that understands takeovers in big business, and I'm not claiming to be an expert, but you have to go through solicitors. You have to go through lawyers. You have to go through legal accountants. It's a long process, you know, and... Look at the Newcastle one, for example. We were all bemoaning our luck that they were going to be taken over by, um, where were they from? Saudi Arabia, I think. Uh, rich owners. It looked like that was going to happen. Do they own Newcastle now? Mm. No, they don't. It fell through. You know, There's a long way to go. and uh, I'm not crushing West Ham fans' hope. And I'm not claiming to be the expert on this because I'm not David Sullivan. I don't own West Ham. I'm not the potential bidder for West Ham. 
either. But I will say that there is some email exchanges about selling the club, but nothing as of an hour ago. Mm. And you've seen it as mm. of an hour ago. The top person, let me quote word for word what the top person said. I asked two questions and the answer was, so I said, this is what I said, constant talk of takeovers on Twitter and the papers, assuming still no offers, so I'll deny any truth on today's podcast. And then I talked about transfers, which will come up, and the email, which I'll say in a second, the email I got back was offer talk nonsense, and then the bit about transfers. Okay. Offer talk nonsense. Now, if it's anywhere close, why would you use the word nonsense? Mm. Unless they're lying. Mm-hmm. Unless. But why? Mm. Why lie? Mm. What's the point? Privacy. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. But there's no privacy now anyway because it's out in the press if it's true anyhow. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I mean, you make from that what you will. And, you know, like I said, I've got nothing against Secret Agent. He's been very respectful, so to speak, to me. It wasn't him that that dissed me, so to speak. It was Spencer Owen, of which he's apologised now. I don't, as I said, I don't hold any grudges against him. I do hold grudges against the people that tried to snake me and try and tell him who he was. And by the way, I know who you are as well. So we'll be seeing you in a few days' time. Um, <laughs> it's going to give it to you. Exactly. Um, and um yeah uh but anyway that's that's the that's the bottom line um so we'll move on to other news uh i i always get scared about these things to be honest with you when i talk about these because it always goes really big but i've spoke to the head of publicity at west ham same uh, so different person to the first source he is saying believe me there has been no Mm. and he's the one that's got to deal with the press now Mm. You know, there you go. That's mm. it. Right, so moving on. Um, offers for which uh, West Ham football's reported an interest in a Man City defender that was on loan at Blackburn. I can't remember his name, but it's on Twitter. Um, and Claret and Hugh, that, it, that was agents offering the players to West Ham. They've offered us Brazilian forwards again, uh, South American forwards, as they always do. Hence hmm. why we signed Wellington, Paulista, Ilan, Nene, all these people in the past, because agents know that we're desperate for players now. They know that we are approaching the deadline day. They know we want players. So they're starting to... And we know that we're on a maybe restricted budget as such. Although, um, so... So we're now just getting flooded with offers. So most players linked with West Ham, there's an element of truth in it. But um, that doesn't mean we want to sign them. I have been told that David Moyes is doing his due diligence on signings. So he is not going, he's taking his time deciding. But there is money there now available for players because we sold the Ngana, um, the Tchaikovsky deal is stalling because they won't meet each other's valuation um but that often happens so a bid could come in before the end of the window one more time at the moment it's a bit at stalemate but it's not completely dead so a burnley just outright rejecting any offers or have they said right it's 50 million That's do you want to meet it or not 50 million they've said and yeah, they're not, not moving on negotiations no, whatsoever with it and Dyche said he expects him to be there for the year at this point i would call him not being a west ham player 
but anything can change yep. very quickly. Um, so that's not official line, but we're not meeting. If they'd accept 30 million or 28 or 30, maybe 32, 33, I think he would be a West Ham player. As much as he said that he doesn't want to come down south, money talks. Uh, we could persuade him to come, but I think at this moment it's there's mistake, no interest. Man. I know, I know you don't like that, no. but that's the situation. There's been a lot of interest in Joseph Anang, who's the uh young keeper at West Ham, um Celtic, Birmingham, Ipswich and many other clubs are looking at loaning him. Um the game against Charlton, Mippo, can't remember his surname, but the the young forward that we got from Manchester United. Yeah. Um he was due to feature in that game, not start because Alaire was going to start, but he was going to be on the bench. But he picked up an injury and Wilshire also picked up an injury in training, so that's why neither of those featured in that game. Um, the interest in Rob Holding um, is apparently very um, unlikely to happen. I think he's going to possibly stay at Arsenal now, but um, there is that is not that close. It's broke on Sky, apparently, that um, we were going to do a, an exchange deal at some point with Diop and Haller for Dembele of Lyon. Now, we've always been interested in Dembele. When he was at Celtic, we were interested in him. When he was at Fulham, we were interested in him. However, that deal, we valued Europe at around 50 to 60 million, right? We paid 45 million for Hilaire. We'd want to recoup if we sold him, I would guess, at a minimum 40 million for him. So, with those valuations in mind, you're valuing Dembele at 100 million pounds. Mm. Do we really value him at 100 million pounds? Hmm. I doubt that very much. So I would say that I can't imagine there was too much truth in that at mm. all. Mm. Um, interestingly, I can exclusively reveal on Twitter, uh, sorry, on, on this podcast, that West Ham seems to think I'm called Victor because, <laughs> funnily, I've got a, t- a text today saying, Victor, your priority, win- <laughs> priority window to relocate your season ticket seat will open on Thursday, the 17th of September at 11.30. Um, if you would like to relocate, please call this number at your allotted time. Please have your client reference number to hand. Your client reference number is 14070. <laughs> when actually it is not. My name is not Victor. <laughs> and my client reference number is approximately 6,000 different to what that number is. So God knows why. I've suddenly became Victor. But Victor, if you're listening and your client reference number is 10, sorry, is 14070, um, you have at tomorrow to relocate your season ticket because if you don't you won't be able to I hope he listens to this podcast first does, thing in the morning Victor's gonna be he's probably been he raging at you ain't had that email no exactly and I'm telling him Victor your, your message is there but unfortunately <laughs> randomly it's been sent to me <laughs> so as another effective system of yeah, West Ham yeah. um, typical West Ham it is now you know that's the bottom line and can I just clarify on this news I have nothing against secret agent I would love like I get on very well with Sean Whetstone you know I don't agree with his opinions I in fact I would say his opinions are very different to mine on a lot of things I don't necessarily 
agree with how him and his partner in crime at Claret and Hugh do things, but that's their choice. They're very successful at what they do, but I get on very well with Sean because Sean is very well informed on West Ham. He's a nice guy, but he's also very well informed on West Ham. Mm. Um, and so I like hearing news from other people that know on West Ham and can tell me things I don't know. It's not a West Ham ITK though, is he? He's not a dedicated West Ham no, no, ITK. He's admitted that this secret agent has said that I'm the the best West Ham ITK. I thought he was like a generic. No, no, no he's ITK. just appeared. His tweets are a bit random. If you read back his history, he hasn't tweeted for ages, and now he's tweeting. Now he's admitted he's not a West Ham ITK. He's just said he knows about the West Ham takeover. Um, you know, maybe he does have credible information on it, but we shall see. But I've already got concerns about it right okay thank you very much mate welcome back to the final part of the show where as always you've been good enough to give us your questions and i've selected a handful to read out this one's from at sammy underscore dodger x how many points do you believe we'll get in our next six games? Um, not many. <laughs> um, we've got Arsenal away. I'm trying to go for it in my head. Wolves at home, is it? Arsenal away, Wolves at home. Um, certainly Man City and Liverpool are in there, aren't they? Um, so, uh, three. Might get a random result somewhere, possibly. Well, let's look at it one by one. So, we've got Arsenal Saturday. None. Wolves at home. Dunno. One, maybe. Draw. Mm, See, I would probably go with a draw on that. Yeah. Best case as well. That's a tough game. Yeah. But probably our easiest in the next seven, if there is such a thing. Uh, Leicester away. So tough. I guess it's hard to predict when you've only seen one Premier League game. Uh, a draw. Two I think that's play. optimistic. He's optimistic. I'm fully aware, but I'm trying to be. Mm, Tottenham away. Loss without the crowd there. If you know, if it was a normal game with crowd there, I think we, with the way West Ham fans love that fixture, we might have a chance without fans there. I'd say a loss probably. Mm, Man City at home. Loss. Liverpool away. Loss. Two and then points. it's on and then it's on to Fulham at home. So we should win that, I would hope, but two points. Well you've gone double the amount that I'm predicting because I, I think we'll get a point out of that. And I think even that's optimistic. Yeah. It's grim, isn't it? I mean yeah. it just goes to show how important that Newcastle game was. Yeah. Because I'm calling a point against Wolves and I can't see anything other than that. No. No, it's not it's not good, no. At big underscore mills ten, has Moyes been told not to play Wilshire, or is it his choice? And if so, why did he bother picking him during pre-season? He hasn't been told not to pick him. No, um, he didn't play because he was injured. I mean, obviously on last week's show, I talked about how the club want to pay him off, but Moyes has spoke positively about him in the press conference. So I think if if Wilshire's available and Moyes wants to select him, Moyes will select him. He's not been told not to play him. Um, so no, I don't think there is any truth. At Hades underscore. If you were about to sell the club, would you spend money, 
even if the takeover was next year, wouldn't the club look to have a minimal outlay, as they have previously stated before the start of a season? Well, that yeah, that well, this is going to fuel some conspiracy theories now with the talk of um, takeovers and no transfer bids, mm. uh, transfer signings. Um, but I think at the moment, uh, speaking to the people at the top, as I keep saying on this show, unless they're spinning me a web of lies, mm. then they and they've categorically said there's money for ways to use now. Unless they're spinning me a, spinning me a web of lies, they don't think that they're selling the club yet. So there's no reason for them to do that at this point. Ultimately, how quickly a takeover happens is questionable, but certainly it's better for the chairman. If they're going to sell the club for us to be a Premier League team, so you're better investing £15 or whatever in a new centre-back or left-back and staying up and then selling the club, then not investing that money, saving £15 but us being a championship club. Mm. I mean, it does play into the hands of that theory, though, because... Because obviously if they are looking to balance the books, then that makes sense in the run-up to a takeover, doesn't it? And they might argue that our team's already good enough to be a Premier League tied. Yeah, I mean, that argument, I guess, I mean, if you're if you're on the brink, it's really difficult to say because I think, you know, had, had this, like, secret agent and... Jacob Steinberg and Andy Dillon not run these articles or said these things about the takeover bids, even though I'd said it a couple of weeks ago, almost identical to what's out now, I we wouldn't be speculating this, but every conspiracy theory recently that has been out there about West Ham has been wrong. There was the conspiracy theory last season that we weren't playing Hilaire towards the end because we hadn't played his instalments. That was wrong. We played Hilaire... There was a conspiracy theory that Declan Rice wasn't going to play for us again this season um, because he was going to go to Chelsea, which incidentally there's still no bid from for, uh, for him. Um, and until there is, obviously he's still a West Ham player. That was a conspiracy theory because he played against Newcastle. Uh, at the moment, I would put not spending money down to a takeover, imminent takeover as a conspiracy theory as well. Mm. Interesting. At Bill underscore WHU23, have you both ever been so dejected as a West Ham fan? It's got nothing to do with results for me. Just the entire aura of the club leaves me so disinterested. Uh, no, I've never been this dejected as a West Ham mm. fan, no. And I've never felt so disengaged with it. Uh, I must admit, yesterday I watched the game. Um, uh, watched it on the, uh, from start to finish and I sat there. And even though we played well, I know it was a good game, I actually thought to myself, and I never would have thought this at Upton Park, I actually thought to myself, do you know what, I'm glad I just stayed in and watched it on TV, and I didn't make the effort to get down there from work and go to the game and come out and get home. Even though if football was on, I would still go to that game. I um, I just don't have that enthusiasm. I miss away games, don't get me mm, wrong. I do. Like, I was looking at when, because we're, actually, it'll probably be decided soon. It's not actually an away game, it's a home game, but um, we're obviously going to find out if we're playing Hull or Leeds next in the next round of the Cup, because mm. um, they're playing today. But I um, I was looking, trying to, I was going to, I was thinking to myself, I really want to go to Leeds away this year. Yeah. Um, so I miss those games, but actually, in terms of home games, I'm not... I'm not that bothered. Funnily, at the moment, Hull are winning at half-time at Leeds, which will be a result for us. Oh, wow. Us. Yeah, because so, we play either one of those yeah, teams right. in the next round. So, Hull are 1-0 up at the moment. Wow. 
So, yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Um, um, yeah, no, I feel the same. I feel the same. Completely and utterly uh, dejected at the moment. Um, I think supporting this club has always been centred around pride and passion. And it's been hard in recent times to have either one of those with everything that's going wrong at this football club. But do you know what? At the same time, it's really strange. And I don't know where it's come from. I don't know if it's the talks of the takeover or just a general feeling at the moment. But I really feel like this could be the beginning of the end to Golden Sullivan's era. Yeah. And I think we're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel sooner than people expect. Now, I'm not talking or contradicting what you're saying about the potential takeover. I just think now at least we're talking about it as a realistic Mate, a option. potential takeover is a realistic option. That's right. For the yeah. first time in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was the big news that that's I right. And, and many people have... Um, you know, speculated as to whether it will happen one day and a lot of people are saying no chance and not before 2023. I don't know. Something about the way I feel at the moment tells me that there is going to be another future for West Ham. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. I think takeover talks are happening for a reason because it's known that the board are now shifting from not wanting to sell Yeah, it being Jack Sullivan's future job to probably willing to sell yeah uh, this is from at colin o'rourke too with the real possibility that we won't get a win and maybe not even a draw from any of our next six games do you think the board will sack Moyes before the fulham game which is on the 7th of november no. and if so would we try for rafa again no 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 they won't sack Moyes after those games no they, they'll know that they're tough fixtures yeah so no they won't sack Moyes and if if you're thinking about conspiracy theories, you, if you're gonna you're gonna sack Moyes and go to Rafa Benitez, that is a huge difference in finances. Yeah. When we're talking about a club that has to sell Dean Garner to be able to buy players, um, they're not gonna drop a manager that's on a minimal contract to then give a contract to one of the you know the big earning managers. Um, so no, that won't happen. I yeah, think. you took the words right out of my mouth there. At Lee underscore Wilco underscore 12. Just wondering, why do the bald never speak directly to the fans? They always seem to do their talking through media outlets in brackets Jim White, but never have the balls to just come out and address us. Is there any reason for this? Well, David Gold did do our podcast. He did. So he, he has done that. And in fairness to him, you know, the show was well listened to. He got some critics, but I thought he handled himself okay then. But I think things are so hostile now that whatever the board say, they know they're going to get killed basically mm. um so maybe that's why but i agree with the question i do think for example on these takeover bids why don't they put out a statement why don't they say there has been no official offer it would soon shut up all of this you know rather than letting it be known to me and to others that they've had that this is nonsense mm. why not say that it's nonsense give mm. that give that credibility but i guess they believe it to be such nonsense that they're not commenting on it. Or like you said, they don't feel they can, but they they can do that. They can say that they've had interest because that's not legally binding. Um, so I guess um, I guess they know that whatever they say now, you know, if Karen Brady, for example, comes out and talks about West Ham, no matter what she does, say she does a question and answer session, mm. it's not going to be pleasant for her, is it? No. And, you know, yes, that's their own doing, 
But that's why they won't do it, I would suggest. Yeah. I wonder if they've been advised not to or whether they've made the decision themselves not to. Well, you think David Sullivan's done stuff before. It's not. It's never really ended well, has it? Brady hasn't. David Gold did ours and it was okay. But people did criticize for him. I mean, people did criticize afterwards. I guess... I guess they're at the situation. Now they probably think it's a no-win situation. No matter what they say, they're going to get abused. So they're probably better to not say anything rather than give more fuel to the abuse. Mm. Uh, this is from at Dave Fode, and I'm guessing this is for you. Um, can't be for me because everyone's seen my ugly face before. Has the bold threatened to unveil your identity if they don't like what you say or tweet? No, they haven't ever done that. Uh, the the board, the board um wouldn't do that. I don't think because what I do is not illegal. It's not wrong technically, officially. Um, that's an opinion whether it is or it isn't. But it's not officially wrong what I do. Um, the board know who I am. Hundred percent know who I am because mm. we've been to bloggers meetings. We've you know spoke to. David Sullivan, we, you know, we've met Karen Bray, we've met David Gold, so they know very, very clearly who I am. Um, but what they know is that I just do what a journalist does, technically. A journalist puts out news about West Ham. You know, if if you want, you could say that the journalists know more about takeover bids than I do, apparently, if, if they're to be believed. that They don't have a problem with them, so they couldn't technically have a problem with me. Um, if they put out who I was, it would mean nothing, because I am a, a nobody. I The... the the voice, uh, you know, I provide the information to West Ham fans and do this podcast, but I don't work at the club. I don't get the information directly. Every informa- So to speak, every information that I get comes from someone else. So I just speak what they tell me. So technically, I guess if you want to look for someone that's doing something wrong, it's the people that tell me, not me. I just mm. put it out there. Mm. So um, they could... Qu- I've, I've, I've offered to stop. I have said numerous times, if... If you honestly believe what I'm doing is that detrimental to the club, then I will stop because I'm a West Ham fan and I ultimately that's why what I am and that's why I turned down money and various other things because I am a fan. I don't want to do anything other than be a fan. But um, but they've never asked me to. Um, and yeah, like I say, what what I what um I do sometimes is I help the club not have negative stories out there. So if I hear something breaking in the news that possibly isn't going to look too well on the club, so I can, I've got people that I know um, in uh, Sky. I've got people I know in the journalist world. I've got people that I know um, in, uh, you know, just sort of, I guess, to connected to West Ham. If I hear something bad's going to come out, I can often tell the club. So there's that side that people probably don't realise. But no. In a nutshell, I've never been threatened. <laughs> uh, this is from at What Up Will. If the owners sold rice, used that money to pay back the loans the club owes, and then sold us on, would you take it just to get them out? Mm. Good question, that. Yeah. Probably, I guess. Because I think new owners, if the new owners come in and they have a lot of money to put into the club to make us a threat in the Premier League, you're effectively swapping Rice at 80 million as much as I 
Love the fella and think he's a good player. You're swapping Rice £80 million for potentially, you know, if you've got a big investor, lots of £80 million players. So logically, it would make sense to do that. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. This is from at Hadley underscore Sean. Why will no manager play Masuaku left wing when we have seen what he can do there in previous seasons? I've been saying this for a long time now. I totally agree. I'm not saying that he would be first choice if Philip Anderson was performing, but in an age where, for some unknown reason, we do have a lot of underperforming players, I don't think he really has been given the opportunity he deserves to show what he can do consistently on that left wing. I think he's he's made for the left wing. Forget about left back, and I just think I think he's got something to offer. He's very highly rated by the players as well. Is he? Yeah. It often, the when I've had conversations with the players, they will say things like, Arthur's the best player in training. Arthur's should be in the team. Blah, blah, so blah, why blah. is Moyes not seeing this thing? I guess, you know, left back. Why, why choose four nails on the left wing when it's not even his most natural position over someone who is the top performer in training and highly rated by the players? It doesn't make sense. I don't know the answer to that, mate. You just asked Moyes, I guess. Fuck you now. This is from at West underscore Ham underscore Ollie. Hi, X and Dave. Big fan of the show. Thank you, mate. Uh, due to how poor Diop has been lately, would you consider starting Rice and Bonner at centre-half and Suchek and Cullen in midfield against Arsenal if you were Moyes? Um, I would consider it, but I wouldn't do it because I think Rice is not... He needs to play in the defensive midfield position. Um, and... Uh, I, Cullen played well against Charlton don't get me wrong um, but no I wouldn't do that just yet no I don't want Rice to play centre back at the moment even though I always said I thought that was his best position long term at the moment I think he's too important to us in a midfield to do that yeah I, I mean I disagree I think by a country mile Declan's best position is central midfield and I think if we lost him from there we'd see a massive massive difference I've got a question for you with Josh Cullen at what point would you give him an opportunity? Because, you know, I know it was a one-off, but in that game against Juventus, he was the best player on the park. Went to Charlton, absolutely ripped it up. They loved him down there. Has come back, done okay, early doors. At what point do you give this player in his early 20s now an opportunity at West Ham? I think he should be on the bench. I think he you should, if possible, bid off Wilshire now and replace him with Cullen. Or Cullen's the new Sanchez. That sounds an awful comparison, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? That kind of status in the squad, so that if Suchek, you know, is injured or Rice or whatever, then Cullen can come in as a viable option for them. So I wouldn't start him, but I would have him in the squad now, I think. But he's earned the right. This is from at Tom Fletch, underscore 89. If Sullivan was on Twitter, do you think Gold would still get as much stick? on an equal level with Sullivan? Or do you think it would take the heat off of him a little bit? It would take the heat off Gold, definitely. I think Sullivan, as everyone knows, is the main... He's the main shareholder, so he does own more of the club. Therefore, he has more of a say, and he makes far more of the decisions than David Gold. And I think people have more of an issue with him, I would say, as well. So I think it's probably sensible for his health not to be on Twitter. Mm. Right, last one. This is from at Angry Billich. In your opinion, if we were to get new owners, should they look to replace David Moyes and take the club forward in a different direction? 
That's a very hard question. If we was to get new owners, I think new owners always bring in a new manager anyway because they don't want to be associated with the previous regime. So I would say it's not even a reflection on David Moyes. I would say it's a reflection on the fact they've got new owners and they always look to bring their man in. Look what happened when... um, David Golden Sullivan uh, came in immediately you knew Zola's days were numbered because they didn't appoint him did they so that they made it very clear that Zola was going um, and then we ended up with Avram Grant which <laughs> you know it wasn't wasn't a great moment for us but they made it clear they wanted their manager and often that happens and I think through no real reflection of Moyes I think it would happen I guess it depends who the owners are and what the money they're going to spend is but of course if you've got big big investors coming in you would then and who are going to spend a lot of money i would you know someone like Potocino hasn't got a job at the moment throw money at him throw money at new signings new club mm. so yeah i would think you would get a new manager i think the feeling of the black cloud being lifted over west ham would be overwhelming if mm. we got new owners i really do but that's not just from a fan's perspective i think you know people on the outside looking in it would resonate with them as well. Because like we've said on previous shows, as a player, are you going to be chomping at the bit to join West Ham at the moment with everything that you read, everything that you hear? You know, there's been past managers come out and said what a, basically in a roundabout way, what a nightmare it is to work for David Sullivan. Sam Allardyce was the most famous example of that. Pellegrini, it's been reported, has recently come out and said that, and don't quote me on this, that it was a relief to be away. He kind of hinted that he didn't enjoy his time at West Ham, that the job was made hard for him to do which is a separate discussion point, very interesting. But I think it would be a new beginning. And I think new beginnings with new ambition, new finances would be best for everyone. But one of the key parts of that is how attractive West Ham would then become to potential players and managers. I mean, for me, it goes without saying, you are quite right. When new owners come in, it's pretty much standard procedure to move someone on and go with your kind of project plan that you uh, intend to put in place. Even if it wasn't, uh, it'd be the first thing I did. Yeah, I think get yeah, rid think, of David Moyes. I, 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 you know, nothing against him personally. There's no way he's mid to long term at West Ham in my eyes. Absolutely no way. So if new owners came in, that'd be the first thing I'd do if I was them. Yeah, I think, and I think it would happen. To be honest with you, mate, I think that'd be inevitable. Yeah. Right, that is all we've got time for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for giving us your questions. Thanks to Trevor Sinclair for coming on. And let's hope that against all odds, we can get something at the Emirates this weekend. Look after yourselves, be lucky, and until next week, come on you irons. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.